0: Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNC, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. And if you're enjoying this show and want to hear it again because you just like it that much or you missed it, you can catch this episode or many others on the Wesson Walker Podcast, on Apple Podcasts. The WFNZ app, wherever you get your podcast, look up Wes and Walker. So uh, one thing I do enjoy, even if I'm not the biggest fan of of some of the teams, is I love when the city of Charlotte gets uh, attention. I love watching big games to where you get to see the city skyline and they get to showcase the city that I grew up in. And so with everything that's been going on with the Hornets and the NBA draft, then you talk about the Panthers getting the number one pick. I mean, has there ever been more attention on Charlotte sports than it has been this offseason?
1: Yeah, help us out if you can remember a national time where there were more was more attention on the city of Charlotte. At, at least when the last time was. Because when Carolina is 15-1, and one, there's a lot of eyeballs on the city, right? That's a historic year. You're talking about possibly going undefeated until they lose to the Atlanta Falcons in the second to last week of the year. So lots of people paying attention to Carolina for such a long time, and then eventually even getting to the Super Bowl and capitalizing somewhat on a 15-1 and year. No, you don't win it, but you get there at least. Yeah, I can't, I can't tell you because Carolina and Charlotte control the NBA drafts, both of them. And yes, that includes the Hornets because Wimby, we all know, is going to go number one. The draft still started at Carolina, even with rumors pointing towards Bryce Young for some time, man, we'd had to go on a roller coaster to get there. We had CJ Stroud, Tony Pauline came on these very airwaves at this very time and told us that Frank Reich actually really liked Anthony Richardson too. You were 10 toes down, five toes down. We had the toe (laughs) roller coaster, the roller toaster, if you will, we had to do all of that. And so we finally landed with Bryce and now, NFL Live is doing the whole, hey, Panthers started OTAs, and they're the first team people go to. Yeah, Lots of attention with Carolina, especially with everyone saying, oh, my God, they got Jim Caldwell? Wait, Frank Reich is going over there with Thomas Brown? They're poaching him away from Sean McVay? Ajero Avera? What? Nah, he's supposed to go to Minnesota. Now he's in the QC. Cool. That dies down. Now Charlotte moves up all the way to number two in the NBA draft. They would get number one. Like, I might argue – that Charlotte has more attention at number two than they would have at number one, at least this offseason.
0: Yeah, because everybody knows who's going number one.
1: Yeah, once Wimby is taken, San Antonio is going to take all that away. I don't want to get it twisted, but we just don't know what's going to happen. Charlotte with LaMelo already in the backcourt. Does it? Does does this, this present a chance to have a great backcourt with Scoot Henderson and LaMelo? Or are you going to allow Portland to have that quote unquote problem? And then you just go ahead and take Brandon Miller. Yeah, there's a lot of attention on the city in both the NBA and the NFL. And it kind of is fun, as long as we're getting good attention and not bad attention.
0: Yeah, so David Cobb on the Mac and Bones Show talked about whether Henderson or Miller would be a clear-cut first overall pick in any other draft class. Let's hear that sound.
2: I think Brandon Miller or uh, Scoot would both be in the running to be the number one overall pick in another draft. That doesn't involve uh, Victor Wimbanyama. So the reality is you're getting a player who I think last year probably would have gone number one, Uh, Scoot or Brandon. or Those guys absolutely would have been in the mix there with the likes of uh, of Apollo Bancaro or uh, Jabari Smith.
0: I think that's a very interesting cut because I think it eases the pain because Walker, I'm still smarting off of not getting Victor Wimbenyama because they were just right there, man. I mean – So when you look at it, does this make you feel better that you could have a player that would have been the number one pick in any other draft?
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, it took me that night to get over it. I would still twitch and think about Wimby like the flashing subliminal messages in my brain I woke up in the middle of the night my girlfriend hey you know, are you okay yeah I just saw Wimby in a Hornets uniform so it took me a whole night to get over it
0: did you so do you think does that heighten expectations for this pick like because you and I when we would talk about Wimby what could happen I said I think that he would fulfill the prophecy that I don't think that I'd see the Hornets get to the NBA finals before I'm put in a casket hopefully a long long time from now so do you think that one of these players I mean if they're number one overall worthy do you think these are players that could be the pieces to an nba finals team yes in theory yeah number
1: one number two number three yeah all those guys they are going to have a shot as long as the front office does the other things that you're supposed to do to get to the nba finals yeah. you're not done you don't just draft this second overall pick have Lamelo on the roster clap your hands say all right everybody go out there bring home an lob Let's do it. No, that's not going to happen. And so as long as you do everything else, which maybe people have trust in, maybe you don't. You probably don't with the history with this organization. But I love Scoot. We've talked about it. And when just watching more film on both of these guys with Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, I don't have a sway in the Mm -hmm. pre-draft. Look, it would be really weird for me to speak as much about Scoot Henderson as I have and then say, hey, you know, I spent one more night watching Brandon Miller. Now I think it's neck and neck. I don't think that. But some of the things I do like about Brandon, because I don't want to be one of these guys that just bleeps on the Hornets for selecting someone I don't want. That's not fun radio. It's not fun fandom. I don't want to do that. So if they select Brandon, the thing I'll admit is that, yeah, the guy's still a really good player. I don't want to get it twisted here. It would be fun for him to be alongside LaMelo because he's a really good ball mover. I've told you. The, the one thing that stood out most that I did not give him enough credit for at Alabama, I mean, that guy can pass. And then you also have that LaMelo effect of LaMelo being 6'7", and having the crazy vision, being able to see over the defense. Brandon Miller has that too at 6'9". I think the shot's low, but clearly you like his three-point shooting percentage. And I think the handle is good enough to take advantage of the average defenders. I think good defenders are going to rip him. I do. I just don't think he's going to be able to get by those guys. I think Scoot still can because he's that elite of an athlete. But I do think Brandon Miller, ISO rolling, you know, doing pick and roll, having him be the primary ball handler in those situations. I think he can get by some of those average defenders. And so there's something to like about that on top of him, just being able to be a good connector, defensive versatility. It's there, despite me not thinking it's going to be Paul George esque but I think he could be a plus defender, even if it's not all NBA worthy. Um, So, yeah, with some of these guys, Either one of them is going to garner a lot of attention in a very positive way, barring the outside stuff with Brandon off the court. Yeah, I, I do think Charlotte is still in a good spot, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens.
0: All right. For, so for somebody that's not taking backhanded compliments at Brandon Miller. Oh, no. Let's hear I, more from. That was good. That was good. I'm trying to turn a new Let, leaf. Let's hear more from David Cobb as he gives you his opinions as he was on the Mac and Bone show, as we said, about the difference between these two players.
2: I got to think Hornets fans are ready to get back to the playoffs sooner rather than later. Taking Brandon Miller helps achieve that goal because Scoot's going to be a project, especially on the defensive Man. end. I think Brandon Miller is almost plug and play, even though he only has one season of college basketball under his belt. But at that size, with the diverse skill set that he showed for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament playing out of the SEC, I think he comes in and, and can help Charlotte improve. It's win total
0: uh, day one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, Walker, I, I want to I wanna hear this rebuttal because uh, that that was a lot to chew on right there. We got raw and require time to develop. You and Nada, you guys are like, this guy's coming in MVP candidate year one. With Scoot Henderson? Yeah, he says this that route is raw and going to require some time to develop. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Brandon Miller, we know he offers the size, versatility, the shooting. He's more of the, the the coveted NBA wing. So, what is your rebuttal for Mr. Cobb?
1: That I don't think he's nearly
0: as raw as mm. what he's suggesting. That okay. I don't think
1: you can. Hey, grunt all you want to. You could be the boogeyman. <laughs> that's fine. Scoot <laughs> Henderson is going to be the boogeyman to opposing defenses as long. As, well, Look, I hope as you long as about he's in the. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Hornets. Not the swarm. <laughs> When
0: they send him down for some, uh, you know, seasoning.
1: Uh, hey, I'm just telling you, man, this is somebody that I think is going to be a good player in the NBA and Scoot Henderson.
0: And I guess
1: he's not wrong. I just think so many people, when they discuss how raw someone is, they only look at the shooting. Mm. If you can't shoot very well, raw, done. That's how you're labeled. And Scoot Henderson is not a good shooter. No doubt. There's no doubt about that right now. But, what does Brandon Miller show more polish than Scoot Henderson outside of shooting as it stands currently? Cause it's not pick and roll ball handling mm-hmm. decision-making between both of them. I don't see a huge difference between those guys defensively. Maybe you could argue that, but it's really only because of the tools. It's not necessarily because Scoot has a long way to go and to learn. Both of these guys have a long way to go there. So the only reason I think we talk about guys being more raw than others, it's because you don't have a shot right now. And that's why I think people are doing that with Skewed. I'm telling, man, this guy physically is ready right now. Brandon Miller's not on top of the fact that he's got mono and lost 13 pounds. Just saying like that's look, I would overlook that if you love him. But just the whole shooting thing is why people call him raw.
0: Well, also, though, I think that when you talk about a guy like Scoot, that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. You're talking about a guy that's going to have to develop a feel for the NBA game, whereas Miller will be serviced more by Lamelo ball in that offense and he can assimilate more into the offense as far as catching shoots and different scenarios where he he will be set up, where Scoot will have the ball in his hands and have to figure things out and get that feel. And then lastly, because we got to get this in with the way Walker gives it up, we got to get some unbiased opinions on this show. Hmm. So, David Cobb, let's give uh, the last cut that he gave on him not being sure if having LaMelo and Scoot on the same team would work, especially on defense.
2: I think it would be a lot of fun offensively, but I don't know if it works defensively. Scoot's an undersized guard. Ball is not the, the biggest, the beefiest uh, perimeter defender. Though he does have good height. Ooh, but they, they have the same that. strength, though offensively, in the sense that distribution, facilitating, uh, being a pass-first point guard, right? Like, like obviously both those guys can score as well, which is why it would be a lot of fun offensively. But I, I'm not totally sure that it does work.
0: Yeah, so, you know, just real quick, and I say you can have the floor, but I I was saying that, too, just having a more traditional-sized backcourt with these two. I think they have that issue now with Terry. Back there with Melo as far as being a little bit of a defensive liability, even though Scoot does have that wingspan, even though he does have defensive prowess, if he does play against a bigger guard, let's just say, you know, ally Jalen Brown or somebody like that, that may give him some trouble. Whereas I don't know if if you bring Miles back, are you gonna put Brandon Miller at the two? And that does give you some more size. They talk about how uh Brandon Miller can defend one through the four. So I think defensively that makes the Hornets more sizable. And I think, you know, if he comes in and is defensive. Defensively as advertised, I think that helps them immediately as far as perimeter defense and also gives them a guy sometimes that if LaMelo is having a bit of trouble, we know how good the point guards are in this league. He may be able to spell LaMelo and give his guy fits uh, as well. But what say you to that point? I'm sure you got something. Well, we just keep pointing to the size. Like It
2: it
1: just seems... Look, David Cobb is good, man. I just don't want to say, "Oh, we can go to Basketball Reference due to six-two <laughs> defensively." It's going to be a problem in the backcourt. Yeah, Terry Rozier is not a bad defender because he's so short. He's mm-hmm. a bad defender because he's so clearly offensively geared, and he allows guys to drive by him because sure. of the Olay effect. Sure. Sure. Dennis Smith Jr. is also six-two. Mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson is six-two. Dennis Smith Jr. had some of the best advanced stats on the defensive end of the floor as any other guard out there in the NBA. Chris Paul always a phenomenal defender tons of all nba defensive teams chris paul is not a tall dude we can do this with a lot of different guards out there but that i mean smart not. six three we're going to talk about what like well no i'm just saying you, well, I, you asked me to respond to david cobb that's yeah, what i was yeah, doing
0: yeah no 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 no. and i was just going to jump in there and say now when you talk about uh, uh cp he normally guards point guards who most of them are are his size and then um. I forget, who was the guy you said before that? You said, uh, oh, you were talking about Dennis Smith. But Dennis Smith's more of a spot player off of the bench. Like, he's not a a 35-minute-a-night guy like you would expect Scoot to be. Yeah, but if the conversation is about size affecting
1: the defense, it does not affect either of those two players that we just mentioned, Mm -hmm. right? Like, whatever role they play, they come in and they play awesome defense. And you can even go with Marcus Smart, who's 6'3". That guy, by the way, Marcus Smart, 6'3", 6'9", wingspan, just won defensive player of the year last year as a guard there are capable defenders we, we do this with like think about how hard it is you know who was a great defender by the way muggsy bogues yeah you could shoot over him but good luck putting the ball down on the ground against him he was going to take that thing and fly the other way wait for lj to come alley up it. yeah you would rather him be six four i'm not going to get crazy if i had my choice then yeah i'd rather scoot henderson be more close to six four, six five, six six, something like that of course. But 6'9", wingspan, plus he's a bull too. It, people are not realizing it enough that this guy's very strong. He's got an NBA body. So it, it's more the mental game for him. I just don't want to point to the height and say that's why he's bad defensively. We There are plenty of examples, plenty of examples of dudes being shorter than 6'3 and being good defenders. It's all about the mental side where, you know who's good at teaching defense? Steve Clifford. Just look at the second half of the season and what he was able to do. Yeah, I don't mind that pairing whatsoever.
0: All right, so when we return on the show, Walker's going to take a walk down to the Spectrum Center to convince the Hornets to pick Scoot Henderson Mitch, while we're here right thing, in Mitch. the studio. We'll talk about ESPN posted a list of the top 75 college football quarterbacks of the 2000s, and you will not believe who is at the top of the list. That's when we return on Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right, folks, you might be in for a treat during this segment. Final hour of the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, man. And let's just uh, get right to it. But first... Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Fitty, let's not even delay this thing. Let's get it cracking.
2: They'll look at this <laughs> to see whether this is a flagrant. <laughs> oh, man, that scared. was scary.
1: I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again.
2: <laughs> You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is,
0: is it a one or a
2: two? <laughs> uh,
0: so ESPN puts out a list of the top 75 quarterbacks made by Bill Connolly, the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. And folks, you're not going to believe who we decided to put at number one. Your favorite, he was your starting quarterback week one against the Browns last year, Baker Mayfield. He was the Browns. Now, yes, he did throw for 14,000 yards, over 14,000 yards, 131 touchdowns, and he had 21 more on the ground. But zero rings, no rings. So how could you be the greatest quarterback of the 2000s Over the likes of Vince Young, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson. I could go on and on and on. I like Baker Mayfield. I respected his story. But number one quarterback of the 2000s, he is not. He lost in the playoffs. He took the L that automatically demotes you. As a quarterback, it's about the blings on your finger. My top five: Tebow, and don't you a front on Tim Tebow. Open up the Bibles for Tim Tebow. Amen. All right, then I had Deshaun as my number two. We're gonna leave the other stuff to the side. We know there's some a uh, little bit. He needs to of, open up a Bible. He too. definitely needs the Bible. <laughs> Then I have Bryce Young at three, Joe Burrow four, and Vince Young number five. And then I'm gonna tag team to my man Salt and Pepper right here. Fitty, get him. All right, hold on
1: one second. Can we reset it? All right, cut the music. Okay. Cut the music. Let's reset it because you had your foul line. I want to erase it. I want to have everybody come in, wipe okay. the floor up, and let's go to the other foul line intro. So Fitty can give you something a little okay. bit different here. All right. As long as Fitty has the intro, he'll give me a thumbs up as soon as it's ready. Go ahead, Fitty, get him.
4: There are a lot of times I start off ranting and using hyperboles as the most disrespectful thing of all time. (laughs) I may have said that yesterday when I went to the foul line on LeBron James. This this utterly disgust me when I saw this (laughs) as a guy that watched every meaningful game of Baker Mayfield's college football career at Texas Tech at Oklahoma there is no way on God's green earth he's the greatest quarterback uh, since the 2000s you're talking about Tim Tebow who may may be the greatest SEC player of all time and maybe greatest college football yeah won two national championships won a Heisman you know, could have won two Heisman's. You've got him. you got Vince Young. You've got Cam Newton. You've got, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I could just keep Jamis. going. Jameis Winston. I mean, Wes, I almost got a problem with you having Bryce Young in the top three with no Well, league. Heisman and Natty. But well, not as a starter. They've turned against each other. <laughs> so, like, this is my thing. You're talking about a guy that won a Heisman Trophy at a school that, that burst Heisman Trophy winners left and right, but never won a national championship, never even played in a national championship game, and he's the greatest quarterback since the 2000s got underway? Get all the way out of Dude, you can name every meaningful USC quarterback of their decade better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. What are we doing?
1: Does it matter no. at all to you guys? I'm really here to throw gasoline on the fire. Does it matter at all that Bill Connolly's write up about Baker Mayfield? He said he won the Heisman trophy and that he came within quote Yeah, and an
4: I-, I stop. <laughs> the
0: national championship.
4: Stop it. Dude, maybe Bill Connolly write more about soccer because good yeah. god, man. Yeah. Take that, Bill.
0: Yeah, that Focus wasn't on soccer, Bill. Yeah, that wasn't popping. But for the Panthers, they drafted two of the top twenty, if you want to go by the list, and then they had a three. When you add Baker Mayfield, so you have the number one, the number two, and the number nineteen quarterback on this list. So I mean, for the Panther fans, they should feel. How should they feel? All
1: right, yeah. Let let me bring some positivity and and no more <laughs> yelling because I do ah! I do love that Bill Connolly put Cam Newton at number two all time. Well, within the 2000s, simply because of one season, because that's all there is zero reason to put him up here. Yes, I know he won the championship at Blinn. Ain't nobody going to put that up here as to why cam should be second <laughs> overall. It is all about what he did at Auburn, winning the Heisman, winning the championship, coming in one season, the sec as a starter and just absolutely wrecking college football. It's one of my earlier, I got it immediately right takes. As soon as I watched him play week one, I was like, oh, okay. That guy's going to be the number one pick. I hadn't seen it before. Never. Not that size throwing to me with better accuracy than people even gave him credit for at the time. A 65% completion percentage could throw the deep ball, but also just being that size, having that kind of speed and then winning a championship to go alongside the Heisman. And one case I'll always make the reason I think Cam Newton gave us the single best season from a QB that we've seen before. It's because he also did it with not a lot of help. And I know we've had this debate before, but come on, man, if we're going to compare what cam Newton's supporting cast was with the supporting cast of all the other QBs that you want to bring to the table, it is. And I mean, a huge gap. If we're going to try to put Michael Dyer up alongside some of the (laughs) other statistical leaders for the supporting cast with the other QBs, my point is proven we cannot. Yeah. Michael Dyer was a good player, darvin adams like oh uh, are mm. we kidding no no i'm sorry even nick Fairley is doing a lot of heavy lifting on the defensive side great defensive player he's but, fairly good but come on mm-hmm. cam newton dragged dragged that auburn team that's to definitely a championship. your
0: argument over a joe burrow because that's exactly where i was gonna go if you're gonna go a one-year guy that won a championship that won uh you know what he did then I think, though, Joe Burrow, I mean, the fifty six seventy one. I know the supporting cast was off the chain. No, Joe Burrow, look, I'm not going to— touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to clown you for bringing Burrow stats into it. I'll go Cam. But Burrow, that year was nuts. It was crazy. He did exactly what Heisman you would want. as well. With Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on the roster, but he did make the most of it. Because
0: I mean, like I said, you could make the argument that he had the single greatest season of any of these guys, but like I said, my top five would have been Tebow, Deshaun Watson for what he did for Clemson, taking them to the natty two straight seasons, winning one, beating Alabama, and giving them hell in both games. Bryce Young, like I said, I, I have him in there as well. Joe Burrow and then Vince Young.
1: Wes, I'm going to have maybe your favorite text of the week here. Okay. You ready? All 704, right. you don't know what you it's did, but you just got a best friend in Wes Bryant. Okay. By accolades, Stetson Bennett is better than Baker Mayfield.
0: I mean, come on in the house, man. <laughs> Stetson Bennett will probably be in my top ten because of what he did as far especially his college football playoffs were just flawless. So
1: Bo- both with legal troubles too. In this is true. This is true. <laughs> wow. So
0: to, uh yesterday we talked about the top one hundred of all college football. The Instagram stores over two hundred fifty thousand followers. They put together a top one hundred players list and uh we, we, we talked about some of the players on the list. I talked about the disrespect for Riley. Um Riley Leonard, but just wanted to give you guys a little bit more on that and give you the breakdown. So ACC, they had 18 selections led by Drake May, who was number two. Then the SEC had 25 selections led by Brock Bowers, the Georgia tight end who was four. South Carolina had two selections, Ant- Antoine Wells Jr. and Marcellus Dial, a DB and a wide receiver, respectively, at 54 and 67. The Big Ten had 24 selections led by Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. The Pac-12 had 18 selections led by the top player overall on this list, Caleb Williams. But when you start to break down the ACC, FSU had five selections led by Jeff Verse and Jordan Travis. Miami had three selections. But then you look at the old Duke Blue Devils. They had two selections in the top 20. Graham Barton, the offensive tackle, and Dwayne Carter, who was number eighteen? So Graham Barton was twelve. Clemson only two selections. Another surprise there. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. was twenty-fourth. Bear Carter, uh, the his linebacking teammate was number fifty-five. And then you had a few other schools that had one selection, notably NC State's Aiden White came in at number forty, and Syracuse's Aronde Gadsden Jr. You remember his dad. Uh, was the wide receiver at number 42. So what are your thoughts on that, especially Duke having two top 20 selections and Clemson only having two selections overall?
1: Look, it it is impossible for us to get on the Duke bandwagon at the same level because you are driving it. You are the one out in front of everyone. I'm a weight grad. I think it is giving you enough adrenaline to where you are running alongside it and then beating (laughs) the bandwagon despite it having the engine and the wheels. (laughs) What I will tell you is that I have no problem agreeing with you that duke is not getting enough respect because of some of the talent that they have and it is weird because usually what will happen is you expect that program to take a step up after a dramatic turnaround right so we have mike elko gets coach of the year it's an easy award everyone had duke as a bottom feeder in the acc but they come out here and they go nine and four Mm -hmm. they win their bowl game against ucf Riley Leonard is one of the better quarterbacks in all of college football. They have guys that are returning at a very free. There's a lot of guys that are coming. I believe back. believe they
0: here. have 18 starters back, if I'm not mistaken
1: there. You mentioned a couple of players that are mentioned in the top 20 yeah. in all of college football, yeah. which is a huge deal. Yeah. And you look at even what they did in the last part of the season. They won four. Well, including the bowl game, they actually won five of their last six with their only loss coming by two points to Pittsburgh. I'm with you on this, Wes. I am not as on board, right? Like, I don't know if I'm going to have Duke beat Clemson week one. Uh I'm still going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Tigers. But it is weird to see that you do have Riley Leonard ranked a little lower than he should be on some of these lists. It's weird that people aren't expecting monster things from them this year. If you have all this talent coming back. There's no questions about Mike Elko. There aren't any questions about Riley Leonard. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, as long as you want to praise Duke, I'm here for it just on a, a smaller level.
0: And then what do you think about the fact of of Clemson's talent level and what it says? Because I would think in most seasons, especially when you look back at some of their past teams, they would have between, I would say, four and six selections. Uh on a team like this when you well not a team but on on a list like this, when you look at all the talented guys they've had, whether it be a wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, anywhere on the field you want to pick, you know, to me it's it's telling to see Clemson have only two selections on this top one hundred and them both being linebackers. It's Is Cade a, on the list in no, the top one hundred? They only have two selections, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Barrett Carter, Both linebackers.
1: I think it goes to show just whatever expectation you have about Clemson. And look, there's going to be a lot more players that you feel good about, even if there's only two on the top 100 list, just because lots of people on a roster in college football. But I do think you're expecting a lot from Cade Klubnik. If you believe in Clemson this year, you believe in Cade Klubnik, And if he's going to be able to really have a big-time improvement based off of what you saw from DJU – then Clemson has a shot to reach the college football playoff. I do want to ask you this real quickly, though, because DJU wasn't very good last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think at least at the beginning of the season, I thought people were criticizing him too much. But eventually, I think the, those criticisms, they became true. Clemson still had a good year. They still win the ACC. Mm-hmm. So how much better does Cade need to be? for Clemson to win the ACC when you do account for the talent, or lack thereof, showing up on some of these college football lists?
0: I think he needs to be really good because he's going to go against some really good quarterbacks to be able to win this league uh, in order to be able to do that. When you talk about Riley Leonard week one, or you talk about the fact of maybe in an ACC championship scenario, having to go against a Jordan Travis or having to go against a, a Drake May, so I think he's going to have to be on his A game. Plus, we said there's not the greatest amount of talent from what we've seen from them in the past because I think one guy that could have made the list that I give credit to the local kid made good. Will Shipley out of Weddington High School. He had over fourteen hundred scrimmage yards last year and fifteen scores. Rushed for eleven hundred yards. I think that uh, he's a guy that could have been on this list as well. So he's going to have a little bit that of help as there. You say it, yeah, which is very Will odd. Shipley will yeah. be able to help them there. Antonio Williams out at the wide receiver spot. But this is just not a Clemson team that's just loaded offensively to where when they get off the bus, you're just shaking in your boots as to what. Uh, they're going to be able to do. Can I give you an
1: all-time Galaxy brain take Kay. before we end the college football segment? Yes. it has to do with the college football rankings. And Fiddy, I want you to hear this as well because I feel like you might yell, and you know we've had you yell the last couple of shows, so this might not be any different. Two O Two wrote in: If Cam Newton would have stayed at Florida, he might have went down as the greatest of all time in college, with no debate, with all the NFL talent Florida had. I love this take. Man. I it love it. Been,
0: That would have been if, something special. To could think he about. have? Could he have been better all
1: time than Tim Tebow if he just stays at Florida? And I know we have the laptop situation. Okay, we're not going to disregard that. Right. I get it. But if he stays at Florida, then he gets Percy Harvin, and I don't even know some of the talent that would have been leaving. Whatever we can all uh, yeah, check Hernandez. out. Yeah, Hernandez. Love that take though.
0: Yeah, I love think it. that the the thing was though Tim Tebow was so big coming out of high school, and when you hear no, huge. Urban Myers. Story about recruiting him and how his daughters were just like you have to get Tim Tebow you have to get him and how much they celebrated when they got him like he was ginormous and I don't know that Cam Newton that would have been one of the great all-time quarterback battles I'm not sure sh- ooh man that's so tough to say I'm not sure that he would beat him out because he was a better quarterback than him mechanically so you would have to think he's a better thrower I think if Cam would have stayed there I'll, I'll say it I think if he would have stayed there Tebow wouldn't have beaten him out
1: what about you Fitty? Is Tebow sidestepping for Cam Newton to take that job?
4: No, I think the interesting thing is if 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 Cam's at Florida and never leaves, how does that change Urban Meyer's career? I think that's the thing because he basically got out of town because uh, he knew that they were they weren't going to be very good. Very it, shortly after Tebow was gone.
0: No,
1: Fiddy's
4: because he wanted to spend more time with family.
1: <laughs> yeah, bull that's crap. what it was. Well, yeah. I also
0: they said too they said it was so hard. They said the expectations just got so crazy, but they also said it's so hard to recruit there. And they said some of the stuff they had to do to get some of those guys in school because they said the Florida school systems were terrible. And it was extremely hard to get guys in. You mean like
1: having Aaron Hernandez and (laughs) Riley Cooper (laughs) on the same roster?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of those other guys had gotten a lot of trouble when he was there. They said they swept a lot of stuff under the rug. that We don't even know about. Oh man. But they were talented though. They were good. They were good. Fitty Flash number three. Let's get it.
2: It's alright to be a little fitty. A little hometown
4: or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes
0: on for a little fitty. Wow.
4: Gonna keep it in the college sports uh market. The ACC Board of Directors endorsed a new rever- re- revenue distribution model on Wednesday that will that will reward success based on postseason performance. The league announced in a statement these success uh, incentives are based on performance and revenue-generating postseason comp- competition, mainly the college playoff and the NCAA tournament. A larger share of that revenue will go to the teams participating. Rather than getting divided equally among all members. So last week we had the report about the Magnificent Seven. A week ish later, the ACC is finding ways to to kind of pay towards the Carolinas, the Clemson's, the FSUs, the, school, the schools that honestly deserve more money than Boston
0: College. Clap it up yeah. one time for Phillips, Jim Phillips, getting it done because that did he knew. He knew what he had to do to keep the ACC intact because if the ACC would have disintegrated, I don't know how you ever come back from that. You just got to go live under a hole somewhere. He (laughs) knew what he needed to do. He got the job done. That was tremendous for him. So, I guess, I mean, did he get the job done? It's all about the Skrilla. Yeah, he did. Is it premature to say that he got the job done? No, I don't think so because I think now because they said that was the crux of the issue for these schools is that the FSUs, the Clemsons of the world – they wanted, because we had Ovius come in and talk about how broke Florida State was. They weren't leaving. They weren't shucking out the but, well, Right, so why give him to the demands? Because he wanted to keep them together because he knew that but, maybe FSU didn't have the money, but from what I read, they said if one school did it, then it was going to kind of start an exodus. So I think he just knew, listen, I'm just going to make everybody happy I so just, we don't have to worry about these stupid reports. No, and I get it, it but it does seem like the stupid reports. You're so just
4: you're, so negative today.
1: I know, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, right, negative fine. Nancy. Put Jim
4: Phillips in the Raptors, yeah, too. put him, just too, in
1: Charlotte <laughs> for
0: keeping the ACC together.
1: Jim well, Phillips just set up a home up there in the Raptors
0: of the Spectrum Center. You can be up there alongside Dell Curry and Walter Armand. Alright, so when we come back, we're going to put every Hornet in history into the Raptors when we close this thing down on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Go for y'all
1: I come in with this last segment asking the question, have you seen Paolo Boncaro, the Slam Magazine magazine article, where he is on the cover wearing some baggy jeans <laughs> that are clearly supposed to be baggy. But, Wes, I need you on the mic being the fashion aficionado.
0: I saw these. I, I saw ju- these.
1: I just put out on my Twitter account, A picture of Tracy McGrady in his awful, not-fitting suit alongside Paolo Boncaro. And I asked another question. Why can't franchise players with the magic find pants that actually fit them?
0: I mean, the thing that's crazy, I I saw this picture and, and I heard him when he was on Knucklehead's podcast talk about how much he was into fashion. I think he said his grandma or his mom. Uh, nicknamed him GQ for his fashion sense, but this is not it. This is straight fizzle to the highest order. I don't know what you call it. You take this outfit home and you burn it. Seriously, I don't know (laughs) that he would ever, I mean, you would have to pay me a nice bag to even consider wearing these out in public. (laughs)
1: What's worse, though, the Tracy McGrady suit? Because that's clearly not what the suit is supposed to do. So I ask you, is is Paolo Boncaro's pants on the Slam magazine cover, the pants that are supposed to be bell-bottom, like big old jeans, are those worse than T-Mac's suit, or is T-Mac's suit worse because it's not supposed to look like that?
0: T-Mac's suit, for sure. I mean, we know the look Paolo, Paolo was going for. This suit makes him look like, you know, on TV shows when – The actor would try to play a a little person, and they would put their knees in their shoes, and they would have on oversized clothes. That's what Tracy McGrady looks like he's doing right there. I don't know what that's about.
4: First off, really glad no Tar Heel goes around dressing like that. (laughs) Secondly, you don't- Yeah, they just wear
0: bad suits, because Laura Vince Carter might be the (laughs) worst-dressed analyst on TV. Sorry, Vince.
4: Those (laughs) jeans look like the jean version of- You remember the guy that played at St. Bonaventure that had the baggy shorts that went all the way down to, his. it was like, like mid-2000s.
1: Well, I can tell you T.J. Ford had a Milwaukee Bucks shoot that had that. Look up T.J. Ford Bucks photo shoot real quickly. But no, I don't know the St. Bonaventure guy.
4: Just, just search St. Bonaventure 2004 G- jersey, and you'll see this guy, you'll see his his, his pants mm-hmm. and how baggy they are. That was like the jean version. They look. They got like blow-up, Uh, I was going to say blow-up dolls, but not blow-up dolls, it looks like there's like a, I don't know, just air underneath his legs. That's how dumb it looks. Um, what are the glasses doing, by the way?
1: When I played basketball, I very much subscribed to the Jalen Rose theory of trying to find the biggest shorts possible because we had jerseys at Bunker Hill that were not old school like in the 80s but I would definitely try to find the biggest pair of shorts that I could possibly find so they would get at least close to my knees but Wes now you have college basketball players too that are getting at least a little closer to the neighborhood of the 80s shorts they're not (laughs) going to be hip huggers but they're definitely not as long going all the way down to the knees like you had in the 90s and eventually 2000
0: no and I just looked at the TJ Ford pictures how how could you even
1: (laughs) how can you even do an under the legs dribble with those you can't you are not crossing anybody up you are tripping over your Oh my
0: goodness, that's
1: terrible. There's no way. There is zero way that you could dribble between your legs.
4: The guy for St. Bonaventure is Marquez Green. Okay. And I'm looking at him right now like you literally you actually cannot see his legs. Like they go all the way down to the top of his ankles.
0: They have a funny somebody on YouTube did that. Uh they were talking about early 2000s basketball and they did a video actually and stuff like that. I mean, this is I'm looking at the same guy. I mean, come on, man. I like baggy shorts. But I guess he, I don't know if he's a coach now or what, but I see a picture of him beside it walking on the floor with a suit on, actually smiling mm-hmm. with said shorts over top of his suit. Like he has them like in his hands laughing about it. So, man. You wouldn't be caught. You wouldn't be caught in Early dead 2000s though. basketball. I mean, the knees is where it stops. And I didn't like them super wide. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, come on. Man. No, but but it has to at least has to get to the knees too for me. Like I gotta have it that kinda I could, long.
0: I could do shorter shorts if I had like the um oh, I forgot what they used to call them, but the The spandex underneath that used to be so dope in the 80s that the guys would wear that had the team logo or the team name on it, and you would wear them under your shorts. Those compression shorts. Compression shorts, yeah. Yeah, Michael Jordan and Dominique and all those guys used to wear. Well, and
1: MJ classically wore the UNC shorts Mm -hmm. under his uniform every game. But see, even for me, I'm not a skies-out, thighs-out guy. Because you don't get thighs. I'm not the quad father. No, you're saying I do or I don't? You don't. No, I don't. I've
4: I've looked at them.
0: (laughs) Man.
1: Don't know what to take there. The hate. So it's now I'm wrestling. Do I want you to look at them and like them, or do I just not want you to look at them at all? <laughs> kind
4: of. I mean, maybe in three months when you work on your legs, you'll have better, you'll have
0: better thighs.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because now you know I'm starting to get a little bicep working out. Okay. Yeah, now I can probably like you know lift five pounds. You look
0: like you've summed down a little bit. And I'm not saying that just to say it. Thank you. Wes. You look like about what four <laughs> to six pounds maybe. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm so good at guessing weights, man. There you go. That's right. I'd be a fabulous NFL scout.
1: All right, I feel I feel great now. Thank you, Wes. You Fiddy, do, man. Fiddy tries to put me down, but Wes will lift me up. That's right. And that's why we're the real power couple in the studios instead that's of right. Fiddy and West because they have fights all the time. All right, speaking <laughs> of Fiddy, what happened on this day in sports history?
4: All right, guys. On this day in 1964, Cubs Brock Lou Brock. He stole home for the first time, combining with Billy Williams on a double steal in the first inning of a game in the first in, in the first game of a doubleheader at Cincinnati, but the Cubs would lose both games that day of the doubleheader. First off, that Lou Brock sounder, something that the Mets broadcast do because Keith Hernandez loved Lou Brock. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a guy steal home?
1: Got these scrawny legs, but I move just like Lou Brock with speed. I'm agile, plus I'm worth your while. Sorry, that's... Tribe Called Quest. Wow. On I didn't know his rhyme. name was in a rhyme? rhyme. Yeah, about Q-Tip bringing a Lou Brock reference on oh. Check the Rhyme, and we appreciate you Q-Tip, but that was a great soundbite that you played, and I was trying to rehearse the line in my head so I wouldn't mess it up, so I missed your question video. I'm sorry.
4: I was going to ask you if you've ever seen a guy steal home, but I have something better. Okay. What if I told you I know a guy who knows a guy that could get Q-Tip on the show? That'd be great. Um, he is remember, a big I'll, I'll tell you this. All right, this is this got
1: very real for me. If that's true, <laughs> if that's true, we had the conversation with Jessica Charman last week about starstruck people. Q tip might get me, man. Okay. Like, you're talking about music, Kamal, being the most important thing to me more than sports, even. Like is it really? Like, yeah, I love music. And why I do love, you work in sports? Because I'm not gonna, yeah, I love sports too. All right, so both they're tied one for one. If you got Q tip on here then that would be pretty dope, I will say, alongside a lot of other people. So, Fiddy's going to get his Q-tip. That can be expected next week. Until then, we're going to pass it on <laughs> Apply to Kyle Bailey, a part of the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's coming up next on Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ.